bullshit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Hey, after you drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real-life friends and podcasting virtuosos, Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents if you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I pet when I'm still a kid? Childish. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the pod cabin. I don't know if that's the name that we're going to go with. It seems to be the one that everyone is suggesting, even though the episode where Matt Gorley recommended it has not even aired. That's how fiery that particular suggestion is that people are are leaning into it already, although maybe it will have aired by the time you guys hear this. Tony is in Boston cheating on me with he's actually not doing podcasts from there i hope tony so i'm sitting here uh with aaron foley she's a comedian she's a podcast host she's an actor she's a writer we have been chatting quite a bit like we've done a whole podcast length <laughs> conversation i know a lot about how she feels about a lot of stuff and i also know what kind of car she drives aaron foley welcome thank you for having me on the big show i like pod cabin do you like it? Yeah. There's been a lot of... Su- now, I think Podcast Cabin was suggested first, but then the listeners shortened it to Pod Cabin. I think Pod Cabin is awesome. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We've been sifting about for a, a name for the studio. And then also, t- do you know Tony Thaxton? I don't. Uh, he's the kind of guy who just goes to Boston Oh, when you have shows scheduled. Well, Actually, that's not fair. Tony, I'm sorry. Get I'm, your shit together, Tony. Um, can I swear? Yeah, you okay. can. And I'm literally looking at the chair where he normally sits. Tony, we miss you. Yeah. Uh, he had this trip planned before I booked you. So I don't mean to malign him in that way. <laughs> he didn't do anything wrong. I hope he's having a grand old time. Uh, anyway, we need a nickname for him, too. Now, the ones that have been suggested <clears throat> so far that might stick, and I know that this one is it's not going to jump out at you as like, oh, yeah, that's the one, but he doesn't own or wear a bathrobe. Now, I don't either, but this came up on a show, and so no robe, Tony, or just no robe was suggested. My friend Wendy really likes that one. Um, I started calling him Tone Zone on an episode just because it's so dumb, and I don't think he likes it. Um, I feel like that one has legs. Yeah. And then Arden Marine, who you used to host a podcast with, right? Love her. Yes. She's the best. 
I was a guest on that podcast. Yes. This was, was that called Will You Accept This Rose? Still is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know if it yeah, was the we same. We started it, but then my life got crazy and she got so obsessed that we, <laughs> she was doing seven a week and I was like, all right, now I got to tap out. Like, I, I, I can't keep, she's watching like the ones in Australia. Yes. I, I don't even, she's, she's, I just said, you got to take this and run with it. And I she can't. is. Oh my God. Yeah. So she came on. And she was excited by the idea of let's give me Tony a nickname. And first she thought bear, and then she decided on beast. And we had a lot of fun calling him beast throughout that episode. But Be- now I've reverted to tone zone again. You know, I'm going to have to Google image Please Tony do. Thaxton yeah. because it just immediately obviously made me think of Tony Braxton. Yes, that so, was um, yeah. a, a dark period for him in grade school. Okay, so we, we're we not going to call him Unbreak My Heart. Uh, oh, no, we no, can. No, we can. <laughs> I like the no robe. I'm leaning towards the no robe okay. because I'm obsessed with robes. You are? Do you I, have a I robe? I think they're the... I have two and mm-hmm. I never wear them. One is... I'm an insane sports fan. One is a Bernie Williams uh, gift. It was a... It's a striped New York Yankee striped bathrobe for like an XL man. <laughs> and it's got Williams on the back and my girlfriend's like, please throw that out. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> and then randomly I was on the Arsenio uh, Hall show a couple years ago and um their gift for guests is the nicest bathrobe you've ever worn ever and again i wear it like twice a year Mm -hmm. but i just feel like i can't i can't throw it out what does it look like it's just white and it just says there's any all it just makes me laugh but it's it's really nice I have a lot of questions. Uh, one, I didn't know that Arsenio Hall had... No offense, Arsenio. I met him once and he was very nice. The I didn't know he has guy. a show. No, it's, it was off the air. It kind of... A couple years ago, he did it for like two years. He Where reprised... Uh, I don't know. But, you know. Fox 11 or, you know, <laughs> just, you know, PBS 32. I don't know where it was, but he was, he, he when he had stand-up comics on, he stopped the show, went into the crowd, talked about how hard stand-up was got the crowd so excited that when I stepped out to do jokes, I could have just been like, the traffic, and people would have been like, ah! like it was That's almost, so nice. it was, I just love him for that moment. Yeah, he yeah. seems like such a nice guy. So nice. With great taste in robes. I mean, that's okay. like a good parting gift. I um, And by the way, this is not your number one robe podcast, but it is your number <laughs> one robe episode of a podcast that's not normally about robes. Um. I have owned various robes in my life. Never, ever really wear them. I just only wear them at a hotel. And then I wear the fuck out of a robe. And then I always think, I like this lifestyle. I'm going to bring it into my home. And I get a robe. And then I decide, no, that one is like not good enough. I got to upgrade my robe. And then I still never wear it. I don't know why. For some reason at home, when I get out of the shower, I just want to towel off and then put on some clothes. Yeah, I never... I've literally had them in the Bernie Williams one. I've had probably going on maybe 18 years Mm -hmm. and it's in perfect condition because I never wear it. And Arsenio, I'm going to, you know, I get really like a nostalgic and and then I get like, oh, I should keep that, you know, and then I obviously have to see the Maria Kondo and then I got to get rid of the I was just going to ask you, where are you with the whole Marie Kondo life changing magic of throwing stuff out or whatever? I'm getting close. You know, I, uh, I just moved my parents. I packed up their house and we moved them from Florida to Texas, a sentence I never thought I would capable of saying. Um, (laughs) 
two states that, that bring up a lot of emotions and questions. Uh, and we were just dumping everything and it felt great, you know? So I think uh, I'm, and then my, my partner is like a, definition of a minimalist and Mm. she's trying to get me to you know listen and watch all of this and just basically throw all my crap away which i get so i'm getting suspiciously close to watching that show (laughs) (laughs) um why did they move from florida to texas and i I, let me just back up and say your new is it your new album deep dive when did it come out uh a month ago i was howling with laughter and i don't say that lightly (laughs) i'm generally a complimentary person but i but I, I don't think I've ever referred to what I've been doing as howling, guffawing, maybe <laughs> chuckling. But it was, I am so in love with that album. So I want everyone to go out and please listen to it. It's so funny. It's so smart. Um, but I was especially, you were talking about how anxious your parents are. Yeah. And I was relating to that pretty intensely because I have very anxious parents who it's only as an adult that I've realized that I, like, I, I just thought that was normal. And that's just how. Like, I didn't even realize that I suffer from anxiety until very recently. I just thought that everyone feels this way. Yeah. Everyone's a little bit nervous all the time. Um, anyway, though, so I would like to delve, I would like to get into that more. But why did they move from Florida to Texas? Well, first of all, thank you for listening to the album. That's super cool. Um, yeah, you know, I feel the same way about the anxiety thing, which I'll, which I, uh, same page with that. But uh, so my, they retire, retire New Yorkers to Florida. So we had to deal with Florida for 15 years, you know, and I was like, <laughs> it has produced so much good material, though, uh, including two new jokes about just like in a runaway alligator. I, you know, it's Florida. <laughs> it, it, you're just I can't. Um, but my my older sister's a professor of literature at Baylor. Oh, wow. So she was 27 years in New York City and now four years in Waco, Texas. Oh, wow. So we've had to embrace Texas. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm getting there. You know, Austin, Dallas, fine. Waco's, but there's some charm. There's actual some charm, uh, you know, the whole Joanna and Chip Gaines or whatever. They're what? like they're the they whole Magnolia thing. Home people, what do they yeah, do? Yeah, they've, you know, now I know them because we're in Waco. I'm in Waco all the time. Uh, but they they are Baylor graduates and they've put all their money back into Waco. They flip houses. Like, they're awesome. And they hire all these, like, and now when you say Waco, you know, think of like, you know, the dude burning down the, t- whatever, the David Koresh. Koresh. Yeah. People go, oh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. And you're like, okay, I'll take that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, so she bought a house in Waco and my dad's really sick. So oh. listen, 80, he's 80. He's a medical miracle. I, it's, it's, it's just circle of life stuff, but he just needs more care. So, and mom's 83. So mm-hmm. we, so Tara, my older sister literally moved Mary and Dick Foley into our house, which is, I called Cheech and Chong without the pot smoking. <laughs> I don't know how she's going to do this, but that just happened four days ago. I was, I just got back like late Tuesday night and I have a twin sister and she met me in Florida and we just were packing and you know, it was, it was, and then we drove their car from Ruskin, Florida to Waco, Texas. Again, a sentence I never thought I would ever say in my life. But uh, I just feel better now having them, you know, have extra care. And mm-hmm. now L.A. to Texas is super easy. And But, yeah, that's the long story short of Ruskin to Waco. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you – I know you're East Coast. Yeah. But where did you grow up? Uh, New York and Rhode Island. Yeah. Well, I'm obsessed with Rhode Island. Have you ever been to Rhode Island? I – uh, for a few hours, um, 
My okay, so I lived in New York for okay. years. Uh, I lived with my sister. You lived with your sister for a while, right? Both my sisters at one time. Wow. Yeah, we were all tw- like, I was. We were twenty one, twenty two. We lived on Cornelia Street in like a glorified like one bedroom with a wall. I slept like on the couch, and then at one point in a, on a mattress underneath the dining room table. Like wow. it was so much fun. But yeah, you're, you're twenty two. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the greatest time ever. Yeah, yeah. That's the time of life where the you, like. The idea of buying a new couch, like I wouldn't even, that idea wouldn't even pop into my head for 10 years. Yeah. Like if you need yeah. a couch, you find it on the street yeah. or you go to Salvation Army. In. Yeah. <laughs> and you just hike it up the stairs. You're 22. <clears throat> right. Um, so I lived with my sister and I worked for Time Out New York magazine and it was the, like, I forget what the actual issue was, but it was like summer travel and it, they were doing a road trip issue. So every, people were going on these different road trips. So we went to Connecticut and my sister came with me and I don't think we intended to be in Rhode Island, but we got lost in Rhode Island for like three hours. And I swear we were just driving in a circle. And I was like, <laughs> how is this happening? Because I have a terrible sense of direction. Um, so that's when I said, so it was very, very cute and very charming and yeah. hard to leave for me. Yeah. Because I couldn't get out. And physically, then finally, yeah. Physically, <laughs> it, was, it was like a Rhode Island force field. Not emotionally. Yeah. Rhode Island is, is like, uh, I mean... I, I should I should really do a whole travel channel. I'm obsessed with Rhode Island because, you know, after spending so much time in New England, it's like the travel in and out of the Cape. And I mean, there's so many spots that people go to, but I was so lucky because we grew up by University of Rhode Island. I moved there when I was 12 and that's right on the water. You know, it was right there, Kingstown South, Kingstown, Narragansett, which people flock to now. Mm-hmm. And that was like our backyard, you know? So, and it was just like a really sweet, fun upbringing, like good high school. And then we just, I went to the beach and then I walked across and I worked at Captain Jack's seafood restaurant, mm-hmm. fucking nine summers in a row, um, being chased around by fat ass Jack cause he hated me. Uh, <laughs> but we made a lot of money and, uh, that was every summer and it was wonderful except for him. <laughs> so did you have a good childhood? I did. I, I I feel like there's that thing. I mean, obviously there's issues, but I get I like defend stand ups like to my grave. I'm I I'm very much obsessed with stand ups and stand up comedy because it's a it's a I feel like a wacky, misunderstood bunch. Mm-hmm. And everyone always says, Oh, you must have had a terrible childhood. It must have been like the sad clown thing. And I <laughs> always argue if you're going to work every day and you're miserable and you're just clocking it in, how is that any different? Like, how are you not the sad person with the sad, tr- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I just get so defensive about standups. Um, but you know, there was obviously there was crap, but I, I, I generally think I feel very lucky. I had a very, you know, semi-normal, like I loved my high school college. I could take or leave, but mm-hmm. I just had a good, you know, my parents, my dad was insane, but my, they both were like good people. And my sisters are like, you know, my right and left arm. So um, overall, I feel like I escaped. You know, I don't have any like mega horror stories. Mm -hmm. But um, so I feel lucky for that. You know, what kind of insane was your dad? Well, he's first of all, he's just he's like a crazy Irish dude. You know what I mean? Streets of Brooklyn, 50s, um, insane troublemaker, you know, misunderstood. They shoved him into like the Marines. You know what I mean? That type of thing. Mm -hmm. He had I think he basically had like he just I think he just kind of grew up at the wrong time. You know what I mean? I think he would have had more creative Mm -hmm. outlets, you know, and he was big drinker. He got sober in the summer of 95 and we have like a running joke. It's like, should have been 65, but we'll take it, you know? (laughs) So I think, you know, that was his, 
escape, you know. Uh, so that was, you know, that was rough. But we call, I also called him the world's nicest alcoholic <laughs> because, you know, it sucked, but he's, he's such a good guy. You know, he just, you know, had... And that's why I'm always like without like my sisters can have like one drink and they're like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I know I have it in me. Like I could have five gin and tonics right now. So I just go, I have a a two cap rule. I have two drinks and then I cut it off because I want to drink forever. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to have to give it up. I don't want to. I don't. And I and I I, it, it is with me. It's with me every time I go out. It really, truly is. But I go if I can just, you know, everyone is sober in my family. My father, my aunt both cousins you know what i mean like it's in our family i mean Aaron, kathleen you know what i mean it's like it's <laughs> we're like just born alcoholics and you train yourself not to be um are there things like do you have a compulsive addictive personality in general um no i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i think it's because my mother i think my mother is to the other extreme mm. and i and i really think it's because of her that we have like some you know i really think we're you know, she's so pragmatic and together and responsible and wonderful. And she has her own issues. But like, you know, I think he balance out the insanity. And I obviously lean towards my father's, you know, side. But I think it's because of my mom's genes that I haven't like, you know, end up in a ditch. (laughs) Um, So I have older brothers who are twins. So I hate asking you twin stuff because I feel I don't want to be one of those people who fetishizes twins. But I'm going to anyway. It's, you have a twin sister, yeah. but I know on your album you say that you look more like your older sister. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> what was that like growing up with a twin? And I know that you don't know anything else, so it's probably hard to answer that. But I'm handing you this question that I'm sure you've been asked a hundred times anyway. No, I, I don't mind answering it because I'm obsessed with my twin. She is – when I, when I meet twins – and I go, I get very excited to talk about, tw- you know, I'm like, oh, you're a twin. This is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and um, they go, most of the time, I would say like 80% of the time it's favorable, you know. Um, but when you get that, oh, I don't I don't really get along with my twin. I, I feel like I'm like I breaks my heart mm-hmm. uh, because my twin is, you know, I consider one of the greatest humans in the world. She just, it was your, it was truly opposites, but built in best friend forever i mean she and she makes me laugh so hard she's so like understated but the greatest thing about being a twin is like you have so many fun references like you can say one word and you just start giggling Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so i i always like kind of as you get older you're like god what was that like you know like for you like with the having to like i would look at tara my older sister and i'm like that must have been obviously hard Mm -hmm. because like we were sort of attached at the hip and um but for me, it's hands down the best part of my life is being a twin. And are you guys fraternal twins? Fraternal, yeah. We, we, you know, my mom did very well of like no matching outfits, mm-hmm. no different homerooms. I don't know if that's still a thing now. I'm 89. But, you know, different <laughs> home, like, you know, separate. She did track and field. I did all the, you know what I mean? She was in the band. I, you know, we did such opposite mm-hmm. stuff that I think that was really helpful. Different colleges. You know what I mean? So right. I think... We had, you know, different lives, but so much stuff in common, you know, so, so that was, you know, I can't believe she's put up with me for this long. (laughs) What does she do? She's a social worker. She's real. I mean, like masters in social work, masters in public health. She works in downtown LA, like getting HIV people back into care. You know what I mean? Like it's too, you're like, okay, 
okay enough like it's just you <laughs> stop know stop being I mean? such yeah. a good person and my older sister is like three masters and a doctorate and i'm like fucking i'll be at the chuckle hut in two weeks you know what i mean you're like all right insane overachievers where did you go to college i went to dickinson in pennsylvania mm-hmm. is that a small liberal arts college smaller liberal arts and i'm still paying for um <laughs> academically i loved it but socially it was like it was stifling. I didn't know. I mean, did you know? I mean, like I was 18. I was like, where am I? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just wish I had, I, I don't regret it academically, but I, I wish I had just like, I don't know, taken it, done something for a couple of years and then mm. chosen a college. Right. I, I, I don't, I didn't belong in small town Pennsylvania, but I didn't know where I belonged. Mm-hmm. I was 18. And um, so socially it was really hard because it was just a lot of, I was there on like a full scholarship. So it was just, you know, I was like the poor kid and it was just like all these, what I know now, and there was a lot of nice people, honestly, but it was just like, you know, white, wealthy, conservative, Mm. you know? And so I struggled throughout the years feeling like where, where do I belong here? Right. You know, not that I was a flaming gay liberal, that I am now, but like it, I felt uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, were you out at that point? No. And I was like the gayest, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you, if I could, if you could just see some snapshots and like my behavior, like it was so gay. Did you know you were gay? I had no idea. Like it's so stupid, but I, I just like, I couldn't have been gayer, but there was no fostering of an environment. There was mm-hmm. no environment. There was no acceptance. There was no, we, no one talked it. Like it was like dark ages, mm-hmm. you know, was it a religious college? No, not at all. It just acted like one. It, no, it was just, you know, the nineties. It was just no right. one taught. Like there was no, my older sister was at NYU in New York. It was whatever goes, but I, I was only there like visiting her. My twin was in in D.C. and and so I'd come back after like going out with them and I'd be like, oh, Carlisle, like, you know what I mean? Like the the scary parts of Carlisle were called Carlum. You know what I mean? Like it's so. <laughs> Is Carlisle the name of the town? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Carlum. I don't know. But then then you think maybe that's what I needed that. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was ready. You know, I think maybe. To be in college? Or to no, be a... to be gay. Oh, oh, you know oh. what I mean? Like, who knows? Yeah. Um. So did you date men? You know, it was one of these situations where I did. And then like, if it got serious, I was like, no, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was like one of those things. And like, what at the time, what did you make of that? I think I just had this response of like, um, it was a perpetual, like I have a crush on someone for like two and a half years and then they like me and then I go, I'm over it. Mm. But I didn't, I, I didn't come from a family that was like, Hey, let's, let's take a second back and look at herself. You know what I mean? Let's, let's process some of these emotions. You bury it and you Mm. keep it moving. I was on 17 clubs, four sports, you know, extra classes. I just kept it moving. Mm -hmm. So I did, I probably had no, there was no self-reflection or awareness. I mean, literally to probably three years ago, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) you just, you, you shove it down and you keep it moving. That's seriously how, like that's the most Irish Catholic you can possibly get. Right, right. So then, when did you realize? When I moved to New York, uh, which, I moved to which New- was after college. After college, um, I had like a little bit of an inkling. I lived in Sun Valley, Idaho, after college, randomly for like ten months. I took this fun cross country road trip, and we went everywhere and camped and waited tables. And because I figured once I moved to New York City, I'd have a dollar and go nowhere, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, but one night I was in out at a bar and I remember going home with two of my friends and uh, I was like, 
oh, there's this part of the night where you're like, oh, I'm going to hook up with him, but I wanted to like make out with her. And mm. I was like, no, 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 no. And I just didn't. And then when I moved to New York, my sisters were living in the West Village. And I think they were the only two straight people I met. <laughs> so it just became this whole thing that I was like, oh. And then it kind of happened shortly thereafter. Mm. Was that um, scary? Oh, it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. It was so exciting, but it was it was the most... I mean, I always say my 20s were sponsored by Tangare. I, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been able to do it without gin. I really... I still this day, it's one of my favorite beverages. Uh, I just... It was it was so exciting, and I, and I knew it would be okay, but um, nothing more terrifying than you're like, oh my God, like, what if, like, what if I'm gay? Like, mm-hmm. who do I tell? Who do I... Like, you know what I mean? It was... Um, but then you're meeting everyone gay and everyone's like, ah, I'm gay. And you're like, great. And then you're like, well, yeah, it was, it was overwhelming. Was there a period of time where you had acted out a little, acted out sounds like pejorative, um, maybe hooked up with a woman a little bit and then wondered, does this like, I am I, or am I not? Or was it like instantly? I knew immediately. I, 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 when I was sort of dating dudes like i slept with two dudes and and they were like these hot one was like an ecuadorian chess player that i served a burger to and it had because he was stunning like i just i was very attracted to like dominican men um and they were of course all married and then uh but you don't get told and then was he was he married this uh, the ecuadorian one yeah his wife was in ecuador thank you anyway um (laughs) but you know what i mean it would just be like kind of these hookups and then I was kind of trying to feel like, oh, like, but then I just have these insane crushes on women. I was like, okay. And then literally like this is, I I had a, had sort of a friend went out one night, pulled the cab over, grabbed her from my, my sister's restaurant, went to see a band. She followed me into the bathroom, pushed me up against the bathroom stall. We made out and I came out of the bathroom. And I was like, I'm gay. Like it was, it was that, <laughs> it was that what clear. What band was it? <laughs> my, just my friend Storm, which was the greatest mm. name ever. It was just one word, Storm. Storm. I like it. He's British. Um, <laughs> but I'll never forget that night. It was that clear. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm gay. And then I just literally came out of the bathroom gay. And I was like, <laughs> who do I, who do I tell? <laughs> like everyone's just enjoying themselves. It's just like another night out. And I was like, I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. Like it was, ins- I that moment will be crystal clear for like the rest of my life. And then, how did it go when you started telling people? I didn't do anything about it for probably at least six months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was like, "Let's hang out." I'm like, "No," you know what I mean. It was just one of those things where I was like, "I can't, no." <laughs> and then I just kind of stumbled through the process. Like I saw her again. We like kind of made out again, and then I wound up like. Um, I wound up shagging her and I didn't know she was on Coke. So she was like cleaning the drapes at 4am. I was like, is this what women do? Like it was just like this insane, insane period of time in my life. And then eventually I told my best friend, Carrie, who I live with in Brooklyn and her reaction was like, yeah, like it was so like negative 1 million that mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, she's like, yeah, I know you're hanging out with that woman. It's obvious. Can we just get over this? I was like, oh, okay. Like, and after that, then it was like, you know, my sisters and they were like, yeah. And uh, you know what I mean? So did they are, did they suspect? Literally everyone knew. My mother asked me if I was gay. <laughs> I, I can't even make that. I, you know what I mean? It was, it was that stupid. It was that ridiculous. I, I mean, you know, but I just, I really didn't know. And then what I knew, I was like, okay, then I'm all in. And then it was, you know, and it was wonderful, mm-hmm. but 
yeah, I just, I couldn't get past that initial stage of like, is this, is this gag? Like, I, you know what I mean? And now it's so different because it's like, I'm just like, I'm fluid. I'm figuring it out. Mm-hmm. There's so much like ease, almost never easy, but like a more of an understanding. Mm-hmm. Back then it was like, you're gay. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was no in like between. Yeah. It right. was literally you're gay. Mm-hmm. You just hooked up with the one. You're a gay woman. Right. You know what I mean? It was so put you in this box, put you in mm-hmm. that box, you know? Um, but I was in fact super gay. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean though. I mean, I think that culture has thankfully allow there's a uh, people seem to understand there's a spectrum yeah and there's all these different categories and maybe you don't fit in any of them and you don't even have to define yourself yeah. i mean at least it seems like it's moving in that direction and it seems like younger people especially that is second nature to them oh thank god it's the most yeah. wonderful thing i mean i perform all around this country and of course i don't go to scary places but thank god uh which is most of america but um like, you know, Bloomington, Indiana, where University of Indiana is got a wonderful comedy club. That queer community is, it's bordering on almost getting as queer as Portland. You know what I mean? And it's Bloomington. You know, it's wonderful. And they're all in their 20s. And they're like, I had a funeral for my birth name. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but great. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, and they're like, I can't even keep up with them. What I'm like, that, what does that mean? I've actually heard your, de- I think it's called a dead name. Like if someone's yeah. trans, their old name is yeah. is referred to as dead name, and it's one word. I could be wrong about this. Though, yeah, but maybe that's I, that's what I mean. Funeral. Like I feel like super gay, and I'm like, what? You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> I was just at the Portland Queer Comedy Festival, and I did like ten minutes on how I'm like the old navy of gay. Like I'm just like I'm a white <laughs> lesbian, and and they're like, and I did that for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like it's so boring now because they're they're you know so queer and it's awesome that you know what i mean like anything goes and it's so refreshing Mm -hmm. it's almost intimidating (laughs) you know what i mean i'm like oh my god this is like full circle i'm not gay enough or you know what (laughs) i mean like your yesterday's yeah totally like i could be in alabama i'd be like edgy but in portland they're like oh get over yourself (laughs) um but that's awesome Allison Rosen is your new best friend is brought to you in part by Native. I am in love with Native deodorant. I'm smelling it right now. That was a kind of, probably a gross sound of me smelling. <laughs> now I'm smelling in a more demure, a demure coy way. And that's not producer trickery. Like no, I didn't add that in that post. Was like right. that was your real nose. That wasn't that. like a. F- they didn't fully that smell sound by no. using some kind of like fireplace flume or something. <laughs> that was, there was no uh, vacuum. That was genuinely me s- taking in the scent of native deodorant. They have a bunch of different scents. This one right now that I'm enjoying is lavender and rose. It smells so good. It smells like, like a fancy, um, fancy herbal, something that you'd get at an expensive parfumery i I, is that what i think it's i don't know it just smells so good don't take my word for it take your nose for it it works don't hold back native can hang with your workout your busy mom life or your 16 hour day they have over eight thousand five star reviews uh less is more with native they have fewer simpler ingredients so you know 
everything that's in their deodorant. Um, they are free of aluminum and they come in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women and they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and a baking soda free formula for those with sensitivities. The classic deodorant scents include coconut and vanilla, which is the most popular scent, lavender and rose, which is the one that I just inhaled, cucumber and mint and eucalyptus and mint. There's no risk to try. They offer free returns and exchanges in the USA and you can subscribe and save 17%. So you save $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door one, two, three, or four months. Every one, two, three, or four months. Uh, it, yeah, it's just it's a super, uh, super reliable, incredibly good smelling deodorant, no animal testing, free shipping and returns, formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code BESTFRIEND during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and using promo code BESTFRIEND during checkout. Okay. When did you realize you wanted to get into comedy? It's kind of ass backwards. I, I just was going to follow my, like, just long line of teachers. My mom's a teacher. Tara's a teacher. I just thought I would teach. I'd go to grad school and teach. So I was just kind of, I did some improv in college um, randomly when I, I hurt my back. I couldn't play basketball. And um, it was just kind of this, you know, I never was a performer, never did anything. So when I went to Manhattan, I was just like, oh, I'll do some improv. I was just kind of like, I wanted to, like, just have a life before grad school. Mm-hmm. And so then I just joined an improv group. I mean, I had I had a business resume with a passport photo. I had <laughs> no idea what I was doing. And that I think probably helped, you know, because I was so naive. I think if I knew what I knew, I don't know. You know, you if might have I, been intimidated. I probably would have never done mm-hmm. it. But I but I was kind of like this hapless, okay, let's just do it. You know, things you do when you're 22 or 23. Um, So yeah, like kind of early 20s on and off. I did some improv, but it was at it in a comedy club. So that's how I got introduced to stand up. And I just stayed and watched. And I was like, in New York, of course, is the greatest stand up on earth. And I was kind of mesmerized by it. You know, I didn't have to do like 10 people's schedules. It was just one person in control of their own schedule and their time. And they could say whatever they want, you know, and it was it was awesome Mm -hmm. you know because you'd go to these comedy clubs in new york and you would see the judy gold wanda sykes jim gaffigan like brian regan like you'd go into the back of these comedy clubs and you'd just be blown away by the talent and it was really inspiring and super cool and you're like maybe i should just try that you Mm -hmm. know so that's sort of the route i went into yeah i um and i've talked about this before but in my mind, the difference between improv and stand-up was always one is collaborative and one is solo. But I had, I don't know, two or three years ago, Cameron Esposito came on the show, and she was saying that to her the difference is like make-believe or truth. Stand-up is where you're really saying your truth. And I had it was so interesting. I'd never thought of it that way. Do you find um, that stand-up is more honest? I th- I think there's more freedom for honesty. I, I mean, the improv. I, I mean, I love watching. Like, good improv to me is is just like I could watch it for seventeen hours straight, you know. And um, so I think there's still a lot of truth in improv, you know. Like you, but I, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe honesty. I don't mean to put words yeah. in her mouth. She might have yeah. said honesty. Yeah. Versus truth. I, I mean, I would I would definitely say that. I mean, that sounds a little dramatic, but I I totally I totally get it. Um, 
to me, improv, I'm in awe of because th- how quickly that has to go. Mm-hmm. The good thing is you have like a backup team, you know, you're like, okay, I'm not by myself. Um, so I think that art form is, I, I'm blown away by, by improv. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know what she says. I, I, I mean, I know what she means. Like the beauty I think of stand up is that's your, you know, you could give five standups like, okay, I, I want you to talk about that table and it'll be a really cool, fresh, different five perspectives on that table. So even if you're tackling same subjects like politi- politics, really, it's your story. It's mm-hmm. your truth, um, which is super awesome, which is very unique. Yeah. And then at some point you got into acting. I remember watching you in Almost Famous. That was crazy. <laughs> Playing I, a, a Rolling Stone editor. Fact checker. Fact checker, Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I don't ever consider myself an actor. I never really enjoyed it, never wanted to do it. That was just, I stumbled into like, you know, I got a manager like way too early mm-hmm. in Manhattan. And um, it was just seriously one of those those insane experiences where I was, I, I had a dollar to my name. I went to the Gap sale rack and bought a $5 velour shirt because I was like, I love this velour shirt. <laughs> it was, I wore it to the audition. It was like a 70s period piece. You know what I mean? Like it's stuff like that where you're like, what? I wound up wearing the shirt in all the scenes. Oh, wow. It was just one of these things where I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I had a really, I had a good improv background and we improvised all the scenes, which mm-hmm. I always loved. I never felt any connection to the acting, but I could sit there and, and, and just make up stuff mm-hmm. and 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 Cameron Crowe was obsessed with stand-ups and you know he was so wonderful and the whole experience was so awesome but I never after that I you know what I mean so the acting is is kind of like you get thrown into it but still to this day I barely do it because I I just I just don't really it's just sort of not for me Does you it know make you nervous yeah, the whole thing makes me wildly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I the best thing I think I've learned about myself in the last like 20 years of of just being in this business is like I like finally being myself. Like I'm so comfortable standing up in front of people and being like here's my story or sports podcast like let's talk like that's where I feel like my best. So going into something prepping to be someone else mm-hmm. like I, I just, I can't get there. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ever be there. I mean, really <laughs> truthfully. Um, I have to put, I have to put makeup on. I'm with all these like hot ladies with scripts. I'm like, I can't, like it's, I get very flustered. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some really fun experiences, but it's not something I would ever truly pursue. You know what I mean? The the writing and the, the, the standup and the, and the sports stuff is like, that feels like what I was like born to do, you mm-hmm. know, and the acting kind of feels like you get thrust into it. Yeah. But I don't know, not really for me. So the uh, audition was improv, but the actual movie was scripted. Yes. Or was there some improv? It would, there was still a lot of improv, but yeah, we had to hit like certain beats, but that was a really cool thing. He would just let you go, you know, and he had all the trust in the world with standups because, you know, we'd kind of been through the ringer and there was one scene where, you know, that young kid, Patrick, that was playing, well, the, you know, him um, was so precious and he couldn't figure, he, you know, he's just young. He couldn't figure out how I was, I was joking around with him and then, mm. and then the camera would roll and I'd be screaming at him. And so Cameron Crowe was like, um, all right, Aaron, we're going to um, uh, we're going to just keep recording and just pretend that we're not recording and then just lay into him because I need like 
different reactions. So we just faked him out. Like, so we, because he was so precious. And so the camera was recording and I just felt terrible, but I was like, listen, and I called him by his real name and I said, um, uh, I said, you're fucking up this whole movie. (laughs) And, uh, and you know, like my sounds all edited out, you know what I mean? Yeah. I go, you're, and he was like, what are you talking, you know? And so now we're getting all these genuine, Genuine, I mean, the kid was like, you know, he was a kid. I was freaking out and I was like in my twenties. What was he like 15 or 16 or or 16? He was absolutely perfect. I mean, he was so wide eyed and adorable Mm -hmm. and the nicest kid. Um, but I ripped him a fucking new one and, uh, sorry for the F bumps. I ripped him a new one and, uh, and they got it all because... (laughs) He was just like, I don't understand. I go, you're not a professional. Like when the, like, and I was, and then we stopped and like everyone busted out laughing, but that was all a lot of the stuff like that they needed to capture. And I felt so terrible. Did he forgive you? Oh yeah. Immediately. He was the sweetest. (laughs) Um, But that's how cool. I mean, Cameron, he's the the coolest dude ever. The coolest dude ever. I mean, and his wife, I mean, well, ex-wife now, I mean. Nancy Wilson. I mean. Of heart. I just, there was a. I didn't know they were split. Oh yeah, maybe I, maybe I did. I don't know. I mean, Heart. I yeah. mean, it's one of my favorite bands of Same. all time. In the rap party, there was all these fancy people, and I made a beeline for Nancy Wilson. And I talked to her for like until she was like, "Please get away from me." <laughs> for like, I think I trapped her for like twenty minutes, and then I was like, all these Hollywood people, and I was like, and then I just bailed. I was, it was, you know, I was young. I had no confidence, but I just remember trapping her, and I was like, "What was that?" And then the Heart and the Oh my God, I was obsessed. Yeah, just totally a random experience. Mark Maron was in that movie too. With so many comics. Real, yeah, who are the other comics? Um, oh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, um, who I met later at a bar, um, and we talked about that movie, and he, I was hammered, and he was hammered. This was 15 years ago, and I, I'm obsessed with Jimmy Fallon. Um, he's the funniest dude ever. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon, Mark Maron. Um, I feel like there was more. Oh, wait, did Nick Swartz? No, not Nick Swartz. There was, there, I feel like there was a couple more. I can't even remember. Because we didn't overlap in any of them. Well, Dwight, Dwight, um, what's his name in real life? Dwight Schroop from The Office. Oh, right. Um, Rain Wilson. Yes. Um, he was just so fun and wonderful. Uh, yeah, he just, he also just loved working with comics, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was, I mean, that was just a gift. Yeah. I mean, that was the best thing ever. You also hosted a game show, yes? I've done so many random, uh, random projects. Yeah, I was on, uh, we, we did a lot of like true TV game show stuff. Uh, you know, all those world's worst, mm-hmm. those pop up head shows, they don't come around a lot anymore, but there was a time where I was like watching horror movies and being <laughs> like, that was crazy. You know, I'm yeah. like, where, where's the page? You know how this yes. industry is. You yeah. and I actually overlapped. I wish I could remember the name of the show. It was something on E and it was a clip show and they had filmed with you like the day before. Um, and I know that I don't think they were delighted with my performance <laughs> because there, I think the feedback was there weren't enough jokes because I had done like a lot of A&E bio stuff yeah. and I was a, I had been a journalist. So I, but I was like, was kind of yeah. get, you know, getting into this world of clip shows and television, all that stuff. So I think I was like, I'll just be like pleasant and chatty. <laughs> But I think they wanted jokes, joke, joke, jokes. Those things are jo- full joke yeah. machines. I mean, what was it? It was like true Hollywood special style, but it wasn't 
true Hollywood special. You've probably done There's, too many of them. Well, to those, those things you just like, you go, I have no business talking about like fashion, like at all. Oh, I have no, I'm not a yeah. Charlize Theron expert, but I'm yeah. going to pretend to well, be I'm one. like, well, well, what is there a paycheck? Well, yeah, yeah I know style. Can't <laughs> wait to talk about that. Tra- you know right. what I mean? And I would just pop up and go, basically I go, I don't know. What's up with that one? You know what I mean? I'm <laughs> yeah. like, can, can I cash it already? Right. Um, yeah, I, th- those ones. It was on that. It was where E used to be on Wilshire. Yeah, I did a whole bunch of those. And it was in like 2009 or something. I'm sure it's in yeah. my email somewhere. Not important. But anyway, I think you crushed it, though. Those so good on you. Well, I mean, it, I just call them joke machine. You know what I mean? It's like all I yeah, I do a bunch of punch up writing for sitcoms. And it's like that is at least a, a skill. I'm con- you know what I mean? Like going into audition, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to barf, you know, going in and punching something up. I'm like, OK, well, this is. I've done this for so long and I love it, right. you know? So that's when you're like, okay, if I feel safe and confident, like that's what I should be leading into. Not like someone give me rouge and a script. You know what I mean? I'm like, I can't like, I, I was like, do I bring a purse? Like I, I come unraveled when there's auditions. What's, is the option like purse or mini backpack or tote bag or this is like an in between. Oh, you've got like a satchel. With I've got you. Like, I like a it. satchel. It's like a um, tiny duffel. This is my new one. I've, I do a lot of Brooklyn industry ones, but there's mm. a lot of Velcro, and then um, there's some uh, some substantial cat hair, <laughs> um, and then I just look like a homeless lesbian. Um, but uh, yeah, it, that's what it is. I think it's like that ultra, um, and this is just the the reality of it. It's just like the ultra femme. Um, hot lady you know they look perfect it, it's that's where i am like my least cut you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's when it goes to the core of um you know the the low self-esteem the am i gay i just you know grew up with like a softball mitt on my hand you know what i mean so then you go into this like wildly right. good looking and everyone's perfect you know what i mean and i'm like i i, I just i know that's not my wheelhouse yeah i would i would when i go in and i talk well, to you, like, you know, when I'm talking or at, at sports, I, I could I could do it for five hours and it feels like five minutes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So then I'm like, at least you hit an age where you're like, OK, now I know follow that because it feels fun and comfortable. Right. Instead of sticking myself into a situation where you feel like you have to, mm-hmm. um, you know, it does have consequences for stand up because I'm not on these big shows and that's where you sell out clubs. You know what I mean? So it's like a different path and I just have to. Except that it's a different path, mm-hmm. you know. Do you still audition for stuff though, or very rarely? You know, like uh, I, 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 I try to say I do, but like I, I really, I have, I have beyond no desire, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it just feels like you get to like I just read, um, I just read this book. Uh, now I'm blanking on the name. It's it's really about. Um, uh, you know, just kind of picking one. It's, it's, oh, that's what it's called, essentialism. Um, and it just, it was an eye opening book because it's like, just pick one thing, you know? And that's what's so hard mm-hmm. in this business. It's like, what do you, like, I've done stand up and I love it, but like, you're over here and then you're trying to, let's say you have an audition at two o'clock, your whole day, like the night before and that day is completely gone. Yes. People don't understand that time suckage. So then you think, well, what could I be doing if I pick that one thing? You know what I mean? Like for me, it's sports, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like eight hours and no anxiety and makeup. And what do I look like? How mm-hmm. do I, you know what I mean? That means like an acting coach for an hour because I'm woefully unprepared. So then I just thought, no, I that's just not where I'm passionate. Like there, there's no 
love of anything mm-hmm. going on. Right. You know what I mean? So you're not in a flow state. <laughs> <laughs> There's right. no flow out. <laughs> Absolutely no flow. So your podcast, Women Without Balls. Sports Without Balls. Sports, sorry. <laughs> I'm so tempted. AKA. I'm so tempted to have no rope cut that out, but I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to let people see the, the, the mistake I made. Sports Without Balls. Sports Without Balls. Tell me about your podcast. Um, it started a couple years ago when uh, I, I asked this agent I was working with at the time, I said, I need more road work. And he was like, you should do a podcast. And I was like, you're, that's, can you just make actually some calls? <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, we're, we're not going to work together. Um, Is that really when you stopped working with him? Yeah. I, oh, just, wow. I just was like. Yeah, okay, but also could you call the Chuckle Hut? I mean, this is one on one. Anyway, so I just thought I can't talk to another comic about comedy. Like I I will throw yeah. myself off the balcony. But I have trapped people at parties for 40 years talking about sports. I'm obsessed. Um it's really all I want to talk about. And so I thought I'll I'll try this. And you know, f- it was years of kind of like, you know, just figuring it out and all I have access to is comics. Um so it just got to a point for a couple of years where I loved it, but kind of like, what am I going to do with this? So like uh, four or five months ago, I just switched it all over to just interviewing female athletes and coaches and reporters. So I've only done like maybe six or seven episodes and I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed. I am emailing people um, like, and they say, you know, people that are like, heroes of mine and i'm like I'm a, I'm a host of the blah 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 and they're like okay and i'm like no and i like start <laughs> screaming and running around my house um so yeah i just want to like i'm obsessed with female athletes i you know female sports in general um all sports but really them and uh and i want them to be you know their stories are incredible what they have to do to even play is unreal it's really story based it's not you know stats or mm-hmm. it's never been that way it's really these stories and and obviously men have an incredibly tough path to be a professional athlete but women have literally doubly du- doubly or double doubly hard time mm-hmm. i don't even know if that's a word um i think it is i think it is yeah because, you know, there's the, the, the disparity of income and there's no, I mean, some of these, these athletes I'm interviewing, there, there was no clear path. They just mm-hmm. literally, there was no team. There was no U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. They were on that first team. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing fascinating. And then I just ask them really dumb questions also just to make it light and fun. But I'm a, like, I'm obsessed. Like it, it'll hit like an hour and I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I want to do this like seven more hours. I want to tell you guys about the real, real own iconic luxury items at unreal values with the real, real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers shop from designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. I was just chatting with Aaron Gibson and uh, she was was searching the real real for a genuine Gucci male fanny pack because the fanny packs for dudes are slimmer so that and and she wants you know one that is truly authenticated and real hence the real real new arrivals come in daily and every single item is authenticated by the real reals team of experts in fact the real real employs over 100 brand authenticators gemologists horologists which we just learned by the way those are uh people who who study 
watches and and timepieces because horology is the study of time i believe and art curators from around the globe who inspect thousands of items each day to ensure that every item is 100 percent authentic shopping consign women's and men's luxury fashion as well as fine jewelry watches art and home shop online or visit one of their original stores in soho or west hollywood or their newest location at 870 madison avenue in new york in-store customers receive an automatic 25 dollars off at checkout uh, I have been on there. I just, just as an escape, I love to look at the engagement rings because they're so beautiful and the prices are like unreal for, for the ring that you get. Um, and then also, uh, there's a few uh, pretty expensive watches that I have got my eye on shop in store online or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code real. That's the real promo code real for 20% off select items. Again, the real Promo code REAL for 20% off select items. All right. Um, here's a very general question. What do you love about sports? And let me give you some background. On me, I've never, and I hope this doesn't change your opinion about me, I've never really understood sports um, and being super into it. And I have tried, but periodically, like the sports that I understand how it's played a little yeah. more I can get into, but in general, I feel like, an alien watching like a bunch of people. I feel like when people are excited about a game, yeah. it's like, I don't, it, I don't get it. I totally understand that. It doesn't change my opinion. At Thank all. you. <laughs> um, you know, it's twofold. I guess one, I, I just grew up playing every single sport and that was an outlet. And it, it, uh, I think it just saved me mentally and physically. Like I just, my body just wants to pick up a ball and throw it and mm-hmm. shoot. Like I just love it so much. And so then, when you're playing it, then you have intricate knowledge of the game. And I went and I will go so deep into, well, if that person had moved mm. to the left and it, you know what I mean? So it's right. to me, it's like that whole world of just uh, physical escape and love of the game. But I think also women watch sports very differently than men. And that's why I think women's sports should be, you know, there's the lack of exposure is insane. And I think what I love is, is really, I love the play on the field, no matter what it is, I'm going to be obsessed with it, but it's really the stories, Mm -hmm. you know, like what these women go through and what they overcome. I think that can really hook a fan in Mm -hmm. and it's not about, that's why I think women would really gravitate more towards women's sports because they understand what they have to go through. I mean, you know, you're a mom. Like I watched last night, I went to Sparks Mercury, the WNBA, well, Candace Parker, the star of the Sparks, now she has like a seven-year-old that's wearing like her jersey from college. And it, it's like goosebumps. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like this passing of the torch. She had to sit out the first season of her pro career to have a baby. And everyone was just like, she'll never be the same. She's one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. There's all these stories, okay. you know. That of, makes sense. And, and then I think it really it really hooks you in. Mm-hmm. You know, like just with the U.S. Women's National Team with the World Cup, Okay, so you might not know, you know, you just, you know, at the end of the day, you got to score a goal to win, right? You got to score more goals. So there's your basic stuff. And, and you, maybe you don't know the intricacies of the past, whatever. But then, you know, the whole thing with uh, Megan Rapino and Trump, like it takes on a bigger, they're not being paid the same as men's. You know what I mean? It, it, it becomes like these bigger stakes, you know? And then I think it's even doubly more compelling. Um, so I think there's so many layers to it. And, I just, and I can truly turn off my brain mm-hmm. for three hours. I, I am that person where like a typical, it was like, my husband, I say something and my husband, 
can't hear me. I will. I literally won't hear you. It's like I, I just zone out, and it's such a happy place mm-hmm. that I just, yeah. It's it's such a relief. What was your favorite sport to play? Basketball. I played basketball through college, um, and yeah. I mean, I I felt like I could have run on the court last night, and and then you're like, oh my god, you know, I could be their mom, um, and they're like <laughs> seven nine. Uh, but basketball, yeah, that'll always be. Like I could just go out and just shoot hoops for like hours. Do you still? I do not as much as I want to, but like now I started trying to play catch once every two weeks, try to like shoot hoops once every couple, you know what I mean? Just really kind of dedicate more time to actually playing than watching. Mm-hmm. Cause then I sort of started just watching way too much and not just shooting. But that's like the beauty of it. You can just ask someone to like, just play a game of catch and I could do that for hours. You know, it's just so you get to know the person better and you're just like throwing a ball around. Right. Right. Who are like the big dream guests that you would like to have or that you have coming up or anything like that? Um, the, well, uh, Billie Jean King, I think would be one of the big, she's been interviewed so many times, you know what I mean? So if, if I don't, I don't, but, uh, Martina Navratilova, I think would probably be the ultimate. I always say she's got the trifecta of guests because, um, she is like the the stories of her. Well, she's one of the greatest players of all time. And then the gay factor in that era mm-hmm. and then defecting uh, yeah. to the state. So I just think like her, that trifecta, and she's also wildly political on Twitter. Um, she, to me is probably one of the all time, like dream guests, you know? Um, and then I, and then there's a couple of, uh, basketball players that I grew up, you know, watching play. And then in, in my twenties in New York, uh, for the New York Liberty, I think that they would be some dream guests right there. And then some of the first, like Becky Hammond is a basketball player, but she's one of the assistant coaches on the Spurs, one of the only women to coach in the NBA. It's those type of players, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but you could give me like a motocross woman and I'd be like, talk to me about motocross. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about, you know what I mean? Like you could, I would just be absolutely fascinated on, you know, there's women now that are trying to get into NASCAR, taking off the tire into the pit crew. There's, it's all men. There's two women doing it now. I'm like, I'll, I'll talk to, I'll talk to them about mm-hmm. the pit crew for four hours. Yeah. You know, like j- just fascinating stories is there um a common thread that you've noticed among the female athletes that's a good question um i think it's i think it's this undeniable force they have of just like i'm gonna do this Mm. no matter what i am gonna do this and it's so inspiring. You know what I mean? I can be talked out of anything Same. at any point in time. <laughs> you could write, be like, we're done. You want to go get a beer? I'd be like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 and I think that's like my twin is a marathon runner. It's like for 26 miles, she's like, I'm just going to keep going. Like, there's, I, there's no conceivable mm-hmm. way I would keep going. You know what I mean? Like, a, I would, oh, there's a fly. Oh, can you take a left? Like, so I, I think it's just this, this, this focus and this determination. Um, and they will, they will stop at nothing Mm -hmm. and it's unbelievable that they, they have that in them that separates themselves, even just from another, you know, to be on that level. Um, it's, it's amazing, but they have to go through, they're just like, no, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. They just decide, right. They decide there is a moment where they decide they, and that's it. And they do it. It's incredible. Yeah. That's just not me. (laughs) 
I know. I'm sitting I mean, there, there going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there are moments in my life where I've had bits of that, but yeah. in general, I would yeah. not. I don't consider myself that. I'm a very like. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Tell me. Let me. Yeah. Let me talk. Let me do a lot of research before I make any tiny decision. <laughs> but, but also from an outside perspective, and I know no, I don't know you that well, but like you've. You have this wildly successful podcast. You're an author and you have two kids. You know thank what I mean? You. So that's I was like, not courting compliments. No, but, but, thank but, you. but, but I'm just sitting here listening. You know what I mean? It's like that is a moment where you go, well, I'm going to do this. That's huge. You know thank what I mean? You. So it's that same thing. It's just they have this, you know, it's, it's soccer, it's basketball or whatever, you know, and you had this. So you're like, I'm going to literally pop out two children. Uh, that to me is like inconceivable. <laughs> like I'm just proud of myself because I haven't snoozed in 10 days. And that was like my goal. Like, like not, to not snooze. snooze. Button? Yeah, I've done How's it. How's that going? It's incredibly painful. <laughs> but I'm like, I feel better. And I've been saying that for 10 years. I was not going to snooze. You how, know what I mean? How many times would you snooze before? No oh, hours. Yeah, and then you think, and then I'm like exhausted. You know, what yeah, I mean? and it's, it's so like stupid. that was terrible. It terrible. was two hours of the wor- of the most and aggravating then I get sleep. Cr- crazy anxious. Yeah. That's where all my anxiety is in the snooze. Mm. So it's like, all right, let's start eliminating. I, I know, but I know this. Yeah, but you got to decide so to give yourself so, nine more minutes or whatever so it is. It's so good. So now you just get up on the when it, the alarm goes I, off. I I I I get up. It's awful. But 10 days that's quite yes. a streak it's a, it's a good streak it's a good streak and seven of them i was with my parents so i'm like okay i have to get up um but yeah i'm gonna i'm really committed i'm committed god i hate it i'm not a morning person it's it's a disaster what but, time do you what time do you set your alarm for seven oh, that's pretty early yeah i try to get up by the time i yeah by seven seven fifteen you know but you know it's it's just because LA is a healthier lifestyle. Like mm-hmm. in New York, I would be doing shows to like one thirty. Right. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I'm gonna get up at eleven. You know what I mean? And then you're like, Oh, I should probably get more done. You know what I mean? <laughs> so now LA is just it's a different schedule. So I feel like, you know, um that's just do more doable now. But yeah, it's painful. I wanted to ask you on Deep Dive. Well, first of all, where did you record it? I recorded at the at New York Comedy Club. In, in New York, the, the first place I ever told jokes. It was really a, a sweet full circle. And it was such a shithole for so long. And now it's like a nice club. So it was really cool to go back. And uh, some people were there. And they were there in the, the first week I did stand up. That's so yeah, neat. It was, so it, was, cool. it was like a, a really wonderful night uh, that I, I'll never forget. It was awesome. Where is New York Comedy Club? It's East Side. It's, uh, they have a couple locations. But that well, the original location is like 20 fourth and first or something like that huh yeah um so you have material on there which is so funny about people in la how does that go over do you do that in la and how does it go over i think it always goes well i think la have a lot of people have a good sense of humor about themselves yeah you know um of course i tweaked it for the new york crowd you know um but the bit about the you know going into the house and the ghost. Um, I, I, I really say, like I say, I have, I haven't, I've been in so many unwanted, unsolicited conversation about ghosts. I have too. And, and, and I never really thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and spirits and, yeah. and horoscopes and tarot cards. And I, that joke has always worked in LA because I think it's so relatable. And I think I just have to kind of skew it a little differently when I'm not in LA, but it is, 
uncanny. I mean, it happens so many times where I'm like, is it, is it me? But then I'll talk to someone <laughs> and they'll be like, oh no, like, but then they're totally into it. Yeah. And I'm not saying there aren't ghosts. I just, I don't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I'm always alone in hotel rooms and I, I get scared very easily. I don't watch anything scary. Hor- I don't, Same. I don't, I don't I like it. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't need to be, you know, I don't feel alive that way. Same. I always, I do not in the way that I don't understand sports. I also don't understand wanting to watch a horror movie. Yeah. It truly unnerves me and makes me unsettled and makes it so I can't sleep. And makes me feel disturbed for yeah. like months. Yeah. I don't need that. I no. don't think that's fun. I'll just turn on the news and I'll just be <laughs> right. like so scared for my life and then I'll turn it off. The only thing I do do is um, every year I do the haunted hayride in uh, Griffith Park. See, you're braver than I am. And How scary is, is that? It's scary, but it's so funny. Like it's scary, but it's I I get so scared that I just burst out laughing and mm. um, you know, and it it's and it's so well done. You just have to like spend a little bit more money and get like the express passes and go right when it opens. You know, like you're a senior citizen. Like five forty five, I'm like get. You know what I mean? Because then the lines are insane. Um, but it's so well done. But it's terrifying. What? How, how much is it like? Not scary farm or some or horror nights or those. Things I don't go like, to. I've never. Go, I have I no either. reference. Yeah. All I know is that. And there's one part of it's the haunted hayride, and I get in the middle because on the end, people they're not they allowed to you? touch oh. you. No, okay, but they just go. You know, they'll show up right beside your face, and I'll start like there's children, and I'm screaming ten times louder than the children, <laughs> which then I just start crying, laughing. Um, but is it is a it is a thrill. But it it's so artistic and it's all actors. Like mm-hmm. it's super cool, right? Um, and they do such a good job. Um, but then there's also like the uh, uh, what do you call it when the maze? Mm, and I, I did labyrinth. that once, and I I go I can't I can't do that again because it, I I felt claustrophobic, and I was like, what if I can't get out? And people are screaming, and you're um, I did that once, and I was like, no. And that's at Griffith Park as well. Yeah, it's and all is that part of where the... people are like leaning out and. Yeah, there's again, they people. can't they can't yeah. touch you, but it's it's I there's one part where like you're you're you you feel like you can't get out, and mm-hmm. I'm like no, 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 no. I mean, my last exposure to any of this, I was probably somewhere between third and fifth grade, and I was outside of a haunted house thinking of going in, and I literally almost shit myself. I was so scared. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Yeah, and then I was like, now I get what scared shitless means. Like I had oh, never yeah. experienced that. Like I'm so scared, I'm gonna crap my pants. But yeah. it really, there was like a, it really almost happened. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I had been in a haunted house before that, and it was. Well, now I don't know if maybe I'm just conflating something I saw with my actual memory, but I feel like it was one of those where it's like, here's the room where the surgery went wrong oh, and like yeah, these various yeah. scenes. Yeah. And it was just yeah. like, I, I'm not, yeah. en- I'm not enjoying this. Yeah. It was, but I, I mean, have you truly, how long have you been in Los Angeles? Uh, well, I grew up in Orange County. Oh, okay. Um, and, but I lived in New York for nine years and I moved back nine years ago okay but you have found yourself in conversations about this right ghosts yes 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 Yes. it's it's uncanny yeah and i remember even before that my roommates in costa mesa something happened where like someone lost their wallet and also maybe someone got a flat tire or something and then 
they decided it was because a friend of mine who I wasn't that close with, so I wasn't personally offended, but he came over and he sat on the couch and they felt like he had left bad energy there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's just, it's, that's why like I, I, you know, growing up on the East coast, like I, I hated Los Angeles. You know, it was basically the Lakers. So it ruined my entire, my entire opinion about Los Angeles is based on how much I hated the Lakers, which I know is stupid. But I hated LA. I I mean, just the whole every stereotype as a New Yorker. Screw LA. Everyone's fake. Blah blah. blah. And now I am so all in with Los Angeles. I absolutely love it here. And I go. I I travel a lot, so that brings a lot of nice balance. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do any place three hundred sixty five. I think I'd lose my mind. Um, but you know, I say there's good LA and bad LA, right? And you could say that probably about, but it's substantially true for Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. The good LA is like you know, awesome people. The wet, like you know, I just love it. And then bad LA is substantial. You know, the, it's unbridled douchebaggery, uh, <laughs> and then you know, raging narcissism. Yeah. Okay, okay, but you can still avoid a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, people. I don't also go to like the best. You know, most posh play i avoid all of that right it's like why would i hang out in Times square type Mm -hmm. of thing right right but in general like that's started the joke substantial people i have in my life you know with the the talk about the ghosts and the spirits and the (laughs) and the floating and the vision boards and the terror and you're like wow like i i just pictured like that was like a whole other but it it is intertwined with what i consider very rational hardworking. People, there's a it's, lot. It's very interesting. I don't want to disparage crystals too much because I am trying desperately to get Spencer and Heidi on my show. Do you know who they are? No, Spencer Pratt and Heidi Montag from the Hills. Okay, well, I mean, I've heard of them. Yes, they yeah. did. There's a Hills reboot called The Hills New Beginnings. Oh, and Spencer and Heidi. So he had. They have a. They, they have Pratt Daddy Crystals, which is his crystal line. And I really Ser- do. Is that seriously get, something? Yeah, oh it's his God, line of crystals. Yeah, um, he like get special ones for different occasions where depending on the energy they need and stuff. So, so he's really like, he's not joking. Oh he's, no, he's that's, serious. Okay. He's, right, well. he's serious about it. He's serious about it, but he was kind of a villain on the original Hills, but okay. on the Hills new beginnings, he really does seem to have either developed or it was always there or it's wishful thinking on my part. He seems to have a sense of humor about right, well, himself. So he's like actually quite likable. So anyway, I really, they have a podcast. I really want to get them on. So I hope they are not hearing this me casting doubt on crystals but you talking about like the substantial people who are into this like woo woo stuff i know a lot of people who are super into crystals to me that is hard to believe listen (laughs) i'm just gonna say this it and this is i'll never meet these people and i hope they come on your podcast and they're wonderful thank you but you if you are really into crystals fine i mean what's the difference like i'm obsessed with like you know fantasy baseball where i go deep into like the fourth basement on the pirates you know what i mean so uh, that's my thing crystals is your thing there's absolutely no judgment (laughs) however i feel like you have to have a sense of humor like you have to at least acknowledge i acknowledge how ridiculous i get i mean i rock back and forth on my yoga mat on my my yoga ball screaming And I know I'm ridiculous, right? <laughs> so if you are gathering energy from crystals, great. Knock yourself out. I don't care. I, you know, but you also have to acknowledge that's also hysterical. And rid- we'll you know find I mean? out if they do. We'll find out if I because feel if like that's the problem, right? Yeah. Because that's what makes people, I think, in my opinion, my just just my opinion, 
you can hang out with them and you can't hang mm-hmm. out with them. Right. 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 Like if I was like, no, you should know the f- the fourth first baseman of the Houston Astros. <laughs> like, and I got really like angry about it. You'd be like, well, I can't ever hang out with her again. Right. So crystals knock yourself out, but you also have to like everybody, whatever they do, they get into. You, you also have to have some self-awareness. Right. But I think the difference is like, it's one thing to just be super into crystals and collect them. It's another yeah. to believe that they have powers. Right. I believe I can change a game based on my cheering. Okay. Well then, <laughs> well then there you go. Do you ha- Oh my God. Do you have like lucky clothes? And I did when I was, I have a scarf. I have a, I have a New York giant scarf that I was wearing in 1991 when the ball went wide, right. And the giants beat the Buffalo bills. And I do take that out on special occasions. Well, it's your responsibility. I mean, I also took it out one time in public and that was game seven, New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox. And Aaron Boone had the game-winning home run, and I had the scarf on. Mm. So it's just science. It's my crystals. Yeah, it's my scarf crystal. Um, if you were on Jeopardy, would you bring it with you? Oh hell yes! <laughs> just because I wouldn't want to embarrass myself on Jeopardy, right? Um, but I only, I you know, I take it out on. It never leaves the house. You know, that was the one occasion it left the house. Mm. Uh, but I only, I, I really now that I'm older and I get, I'm like, okay, I, I need to calm down. I barely take it out. I did take it out. Some Olympic moments, I take it out. <laughs> Is your girlfriend into sports? <gasps> you know, a little bit. You know, like she'll come to a, a baseball game with me and and totally enjoy herself. You know what I mean? But no, I mean, you know, she does the best she can. I don't. I don't ever want to be with anyone that like is on my level. Why? Because I would never leave the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I need a balance. I could go. I can go pretty substantially deep you know what i mean so the fact that she isn't i think is such a good thing um because you know like i pick she lives in new york and i I pick her up tomorrow and my friend's like do you want to go to the dodger game on sunday well yeah you know um but i i can't like i just i'm just picking her up Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like we haven't seen each other in two and a half weeks you know what i mean so but later in the week if something came up i'd be like oh hey do you want to go to like a sparks game she'd be like yeah but like i know not to because i've i've asked before and it hasn't (laughs) gone well um so now i know of course i'm not going to say hey do you want to get off the plane and go to a dodger i'd 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 go from LAX to Dodger Stadium, you know, by seven o'clock on Saturday. Um, so, but I know I, ha- as a partner, I, I can't at, that's a, you know. Did she feel like you were putting sports ahead of her? It was one, no, it was one incident where I asked her out, <laughs> where I asked her out on a, a date, you know, I said, oh, you know, she was here for the week. I was like, I'm going to take you out on a date on, on Saturday. And it was a UCLA softball game, but it was the playoffs and it was like so exciting, but I should have just, she was like, just don't say it. it's a date. And everyone agreed with her. And I'm like, okay, that's a good a good call. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, she just said, and she had a great time. She's like, just say, do you want to go to a softball yeah. game? And then we'll go on a date after the game. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Like, that's <laughs> Now, you say everyone agreed with her. Do you guys have a bunch of mutual friends who are weighing in? Or did you? T- yeah, did you- I mean, my friend Sarah, because they came to the game and I told yeah. her what happened. She goes, yeah, Aaron, you got to, <laughs> you got to, you can't. That's not a date. And I was like, okay. But for me, it was like a total date. You know what I mean? Like, let's go to the game and then get a bite. That's an entire right, date. Right. But <laughs> it wasn't one of my better romantic moments. Let's just say that. Let's take some questions that listeners sent in on Twitter. And we have a song. When we ask- 
Okay, Alexis Madsen says, what are Aaron's thoughts on John Paul Jones? <laughs> okay, and, and explain, please. <laughs> um, so, Alexis, I think I've met her before at one of our live uh, Will You Accept This Rose shows in Nashville, I think I met um, uh So, j- I have a, you know, I, I do like The Bachelorette. Bachelor, it's wildly stupid, but I can't get enough. Um, and so, John Paul Jones was this guy on the last Bachelorette, mm. and now he's on Bachelor in Paradise. Do you watch any of those? I just started watching Bachelor in Paradise. Um, Are you hooked in? It's I'm getting there. Yeah. I always find that it's like... The, it's hard to get into it at the very beginning. Yeah. There's too much being thrown at you. But yeah. now I'm still on the first episode, but I'm like, oh, there is some drama with Blake. And I also don't find him attractive, even though I feel like I'm really supposed to or the, yeah. or everyone else does. Like I'm getting hooked. I'm yeah. not super there yeah. yet, but I don't know which one John Paul Jones is. So, and, and the thing is, I only started getting into like uh, the, what I call my sweet BIP, maybe last summer. Like I just was like, it's too much. But then what I like is that it's short. Yeah. Did um, you ever watch Bachelor Pad with uh, Jake and Vienna? No. That was so good. Yeah. Was so good. I, I, and, and I probably have only maybe watched, let's see if there's 20, there's probably 50, like, you know, Bachelor and Bachelors. I've probably watched the, the last like couple of years. Okay. So I, I don't know, like going way back or anything like that. But did I just, you watch the most recent Bachelorette? Oh, yeah. I heard I didn't. But yeah. I heard it was really good. So John Paul Jones was on that. He was a contestant on that. Um, yeah, I I thought I was going to hate her. And she, in the capacity that she's capable of, I loved that she became like a, like a, a very like advocate for being a strong woman in all seriousness my therapist told me she's like did you watch it and i said no, no your therap- did- yeah my therapist okay, told that's me amazing yeah i know i know uh, <laughs> i said i said she said did you watch i said she said did you watch it and i said no did you and she said yes which already that's amazing and then she's like the messages around it were so great so oh my god that's what she- <laughs> i mean this is is that not like do you think that's an la moment you very much so right yeah I just want to know what you guys were talking about before to lead her into a segue of like, did you watch The Bachelorette? That's pretty amazing. I know. I'm trying to remember. I know that I asked her, did you watch Big Little Lies? And she said she watched the first season because I had a reference regarding the second season. Um, What was it? I mean, I think it, it had to do with not accepting less than your worth. Yeah. With the, Kind well, that of, that was a that theme was that, of the, the Bachelor. Yeah, exactly. That's what made her talk okay, about this it. This is just so el- That's so, that's <laughs> I what I mean. It's like you can sh- you can if you if you don't live here, and this is what I did. This is what you do when you don't live here. You go, I can't. That's such a, you know, stupid. Like, but then you get you're here, and you're like, no, I, can't, I totally get it. Like, I, of course, it would devolve into the Bachelor, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, she's but you know, she's like a, a serious, substantial woman. My therapist. Yeah. So it's amazing for me to think that she's sitting there watching The Bachelorette, like appointment viewing. But I mean, she's human. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, there's no rhyme or, you know what I mean? Like, I just look, I get giddily excited, probably also too, because like, I get to talk about it with Arden, you know, every other week or whenever I'm available. But so that's always such a fun thing because Arden's excitement is just Mm -hmm. so infectious and wonderful. Um, But anyway, so yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, you're just, 
you turn your brain off. You know what I mean? And then I always watch Rachel Maddow every single night at six. And that sometimes spins into Lawrence O'Donnell. And I'm so riled up. But so when I hit BIP, I can just go, oh, look, I'm doing fine. <laughs> um, we're going to be fine. Uh, so John Paul Jones was bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a complicated answer. I'll try to make it short. I, <laughs> I, I think he's just terrible. Um, but there's also something kind of likable about him. I'm trying to figure out if... You know, on, on paper, he's such a, a crazy narcissist. Like, he's obsessed with himself. He's the one that does the hair flipping and ran out in the Speedo on the first episode <sighs> of BIP. What color hair does he have? Blonde. Wait, is he, is he the one who's like Acts very... like a caveman? He looks like a surfer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you're just like he's like an absolute waste of space. Like a long-haired yeah. Ken doll. Yeah. Or... But then he has some moments yeah. where you're like, I'm not going to... because episode two he he really shines in a way where you're like is this person a real he's very i i guess alexis it's very complicated i have mixed emotions and uh is he he kind of a villain he just seems like a dumb guy he's just kind of like a dumb surfer dude and he might be harmless but i get this like is he like a a gross frat guy you Mm. know what i mean so but i don't think so but he's very um completely out there i think he has moments of like being sincere and then right around the corner like he's obsessed with himself so mm. i gotta keep watching because as of yeah. yet he has not there's no storyline involving yeah. him he's just kind of yeah. comment commenting i was gonna say commentating which i don't think is a word maybe it is <laughs> uh he's just on the sidelines yeah. being like yeah i think blake's gonna ask out yeah the girl who looks like a doll what's her name the um, blonde one that oh, they all oh, like, uh, Hannah. Yeah, Hannah G. If someone gonna ask her, I if someone Hannah sneezes, G. she's gone off the island. She's fourteen yeah. pounds soaking wet. I, yeah. I also, and I don't know enough about her to really know. Yeah. But I like the way they're all like, yeah, she's like really sarcastic and she's got a great personality. It's like where I'm sorry, <laughs> I've, the Could camera someone... has not yet caught that. Uh, I've watched an entire season. I don't, I don't know where they're getting or sarcastic. She's literally there. She's, yeah, just, she's just there. They're propped very up pretty. and she's super cute and she's there. Okay, Kip Waxland wants to know, favorite goal celebration at the WWC? Mm. Women's World Cup. Favorite goal? That's a good question. Um, I'm just going to have to go with my standard. I was, you know, just the, the, the Rapino running to the side and doing that pose that sort of captured what I would think is like full on lady power. And I felt like if they didn't win, Hillary would lose again, and I, I had a lot of P- PTSD. So um, I'm I'm just gonna say the the Rapino um, pose was my favorite. Awesome, Aaron Foley. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. It was so nice to talk to you about all of this stuff. Again, I want to encourage everyone to go listen to Deep Dive because it is so funny. Whether you live in LA or the rest of the country or the whole globally funny globally funny well thank you so much you were so easy to talk to you. you're an absolute delight thank i don't you. know you that well and now i want to be uh, i do best too friends. i really do want to and uh because there's a lot of podcasts where you just feel like it's like nerve-wracking and pulling mm-hmm. teeth and you are a pro you're awesome thank you I, I tell was, was delightful tell everyone you know um i'm gonna call those hills have eyes people <laughs> Well, that's gonna bring in, in a whole. That's gonna bring in a whole different. <laughs> get the bag of crystals and get over here to Burbank. <laughs> um, tell people uh, where to find you. Plug all your things. 
Uh, my website is erinkfoley.com. That's got all my too much information. Uh, <laughs> uh, road dates, because uh, I do a lot of touring, so please uh, come find me. Uh, I'm, I'm in D.C. and Burlington and Albuquerque and all kinds of fun stuff coming up. So it's erinkfoley.com. And then my podcast is sportswithoutballs.com. Um, and well, my podcast is Sports Without Balls. And you can find it on sportswithoutballs.com. That's got all kinds of tons of information, you know, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get uh, your podcasts. And yes, just rebranded it to uh, female athletes and coaches and reporters and all kinds of, yeah, fun stuff that I'm obsessed with. Wonderful. Um, I, I'm on Patreon uh, as well as other places, but check me out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. There's bonus material, behind the scenes content, photos. I do a live stream. You can get merch in the mail. There's so much access to me. You'll say, Hey, Hey lady, leave me alone. <laughs> so Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Uh, check out my other podcast that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons called Childish. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, download, tell your friends, leave us nice comments. It helps out the podcast and uh, everything else. AllisonRosen.com. I have a book and uh, ringtones and pins and what, what, man, I am shilling. I hope you guys see me over here sweating and shilling. Okay. Thank you so much, Aaron. Tony, you were missed. But I think we did an okay job, but not the same as if you were here. You guys, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best.